from the Bet America Radio Network. This is the Who Do You Like podcast. Who do you like? With tips, angles, and information to help you win at sports betting. Now, here's your host, Scott Shapiro. Hey, sports fans. Welcome back to another edition of the Who Do You Like podcast. Admittedly, a little sleep deprived this morning after last night's classic NCAA championship game, but man, was it well worth it. What a game in Minneapolis as Virginia once again finds a way when they look beat and cut down the nets, beating Chris Beard and Texas Tech, who made a great run as well. Kind of feel bad for those of you that gave up on this game seven minutes in because of the apparent lack of offense. You really missed something special if you did. Plenty of offense, plenty of great defense. What a game. After focusing on college hoops for the most part since the start of the pod, it is time to switch gears, though. We will chat some baseball, football, and horse racing over the next several weeks, but the PGA will also get plenty of attention starting today as the most prestigious golf event of the year kicks off on Thursday at Augusta National. The Masters certainly represents one of my favorite four days on the sports calendar. I know many of you tune into golf kind of like the Kentucky Derby just once a year to see who will make history and win the coveted green jacket, so hopefully this discussion will help guide you to success in whatever endeavors you're involved in this week. I'll bring in my guest Garrett Skiba in just a moment to discuss not only his methodology for handicapping golf, but some of his top plays for the 2019 Masters. But just a couple of quick reminders. First, if you're new to the pod and like what you hear, you can find it each week on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play. Subscribe so you're aware when each new episode goes live. And if you would be so kind as to hit that five-star rating and leave a comment, it certainly would go a long way. Secondly, new New Jersey players, do not forget about the great promo that America has going on. Earn up to a $500 bonus on your initial deposit. Just use the promo code GET500, that's G-E-T-500, when depositing, and get 100% back. All right, let's get into some golf. Like myself, my guest this week follows the PGA Tour intently throughout the year. We may not look forward to the Valero Texas Open quite as much as we do the majors, but we constantly are keeping an eye on things and trying our best to predict the sport with just a crazy amount of variance. Many of you know him from his incredible success in high-stakes horse racing tournaments, but I promise you he's just as impressive with his ability to handicap and make money in the sports realm, particularly golf. I'm thrilled to welcome in my good friend Garrett Skiba. Ready for Thursday, dude? It's the best time of the year, Scott. It's uh, I, I wait for this uh, all year round, and so, uh, you know, to be two days out from from teeing it up, I, I couldn't be more excited. Yeah, me too. I know I've probably said on this a uh, couple times the, and, and over the course of my uh, social media and whatnot, these are my favorite four days. And I say it a couple times a year, but but the Masters is very special. Uh, love watching those morning uh, Thursday and Fridays on uh, Amen Corner and whatnot. And uh, just super excited to uh, to get into it. And uh, of course, though, we got to prepare. And I know that you're as prepared as anyone. Um, before we dive into the player pool and some of the recommendations you have for specific to this week, uh, I first wanted folks that are less experienced at uh, prognosticating golf or that tune in just a couple times a year to kind of get a feel for, for how someone like yourself goes about trying to handicap a golf tournament. It can be quite daunting. Um, so after a field is assembled, what are the steps that you take to evaluate players and their chances to succeed in a given week? Yeah, it's a good question. I, I think there's really two major factors when going into uh, trying to predict a golf tournament uh, that I'm looking at, one being course history and the other being current form. 
And I, I think we'll touch on course history a, a little bit later, but just kind of talk about current form and kind of how I judge that. Obviously, you have players, especially at a tournament like the Masters, coming from all areas of uh, the world and uh, who have been playing against different uh, different types of competition. And so uh, really what you try to do is, is you try to normalize that, not only for uh, the various tournaments, but for also the competition that they're playing against. And so one of the ways that uh, you know, the industry has really kind of accepted uh, the way to judge course per- or player performance is has been a strokes gain methodology. And essentially what they do is, is they look at, a, at a, a round of golf and break each round into components to understand where players are really gaining strokes on the field. And the reason why that's important is because, you know, in, in any given tournament, the putting is actually one of the most variant aspects of a player's uh, performance and so you know trying to normalize performance for putting is one of the goals of the strokes gain methodology and so just to kind of at a high level understand kind of what strokes gain really means uh, really this was founded by an individual who basically got baseline scores um, and really what this boils down to is every hole has a baseline score so let's just say for an example a 446 yard par four has a baseline score of 4.1 so let's just say that, you know, Bubba Watson goes up there, hits a drive, and he has 116 yards remaining. So from 116 yards, essentially a pro is expected to get into the hole from about, take about 2.825 strokes. And so to understand what their strokes gain off the tee would be, you'd basically take the 4.1, which is the expected value for the whole hole, and subtract that from the 2.825. And then obviously they took one stroke to get to that point. And so essentially you would under, you would get to a 0.275 strokes gained off the tee. And you basically do that through the end of the hole. And that you sum that up for each 18 holes and understand kind of where players are gaining their strokes. And since, as I mentioned earlier, putting is very variant, you're really trying to understand from a tee to green basis, which is basically your drive, your second shot, and any shots around the green, you want to understand kind of where they're gaining the, their strokes as that actually is very consistent from week to week uh, as players are in form or out of form. And so really what I'm looking for is the players who are gaining the most uh, strokes, ball striking, and understanding that you know putting is obviously going to be a factor that will make or break. But at the end of the day, somebody's going to be making a ton of strokes up on the green putting. There's just no way to predict who that's going to be, if that makes sense. No, that makes perfect sense and very well described and, and in depth to an extent, but also uh, very simple in, in, in a way. And like you said, the putting is is of extreme variance. You got guys that um, that always seem to rate out well if you omit the strokes game putting, which shows the current form. Guys like Hideki Matsuyama come to mind. Uh, not a great putter, but all of his other stuff is good, uh, if you will. Now, is there a certain place that you go for this information that is available or how do you go about getting it? Yeah, so there's a website called fantasynational.com, and they, they have a great product, which basically is a database of, of all these golf stats, um, you know, going back 10 years. And so you can kind of slice and dice uh, that data uh, to try and, you know, basically drive your analysis uh, based on the factors uh, specific to that tournament, especially. So, you know, for a tournament like uh, the Masters, you're going to be looking at par five scoring since the scoring on par fives is just utterly crucial to success in putting on that green jacket on Sunday. Um, 
that and proximity from you know 150 to, to 200 yards really because a lot of those second shots that you're going to be taking end up kind of falling in that range and so I'm really going to want a player who can really excel uh, at that 175 to 200 yard uh, range and so you know piecing together those stats will will help me build my model at the end of the day um, as as what I mentioned earlier the half of the picture the other half obviously being course history. Yeah, Fantasy National is a great site. You actually turned me on to it. Uh, I've heard about it quite a bit through some pods that we've both listened to, but dove into it this year, and I can definitely say that my game um, in predicting golf, which is obviously a very tough thing, has definitely improved and really like what they offer at a very reasonable price. So I do highly recommend that if you're getting into the uh, golf handicapping mode. You mentioned um, course history, Garrett, and uh, those of us that are involved in in handicapping golf year round you know there's a definitely a debate that we hear a lot and some folks just want to ignore uh course history other folks really uh lean on it and are married to it um what is your take on course history in general and then obviously more specifically to the masters this week since that's our uh, major goal at the moment so on a tournament to tournament basis i look at course history more at the micro level so from a player-to-player perspective as opposed to more of a macro kind of whole field perspective. And so, you know, certain guys are just really good at certain courses. And there's just not that many of them. You know, the one that comes to mind immediately is Bubba Watson, who has his Bubba Tracks, who uh, really excels at a, at, a, at a small number of courses, but otherwise really is is, is, is a pretty average. And so, you know, a guy like Bubba is, is to me, the definition of, you know, prima fashion number one uh, of uh, the case for course history. So uh, going beyond that, it, it's really kind of random on a week-to-week basis. That being said, Augusta has the highest correlation year-to-year uh, of players who, who can be consistently good there and, and not so great elsewhere. And so uh, you look at a guy like Freddie Couples, and you know he's playing on the Champions Tour and doing who knows what, and he comes to Augusta and makes the cut. And so obviously there's something about Augusta you know, they know the places to miss. Greens are, you know, very treacherous. There's three putts on every green and just knowing kind of where to have that second shot or where you want that approach shot coming in and landing uh, really is important. And, you know, my data shows that, you know, course history for Augusta is about four times what it what it is uh, in level of importance uh, versus another another track. Wow, four times. That's interesting. I definitely have always uh, leaned on course history more at Augusta, didn't have that specific number. It's actually interesting. You spoke about the putting variance. There's guys like Paul Casey, for instance, that are poor putters in general, but seem to putt pretty well uh, at Augusta. So I think it speaks to what you're saying, knowledge of the greens, knowledge of all those approach shots. Well, I mean, there's certainly a, a guy that comes to mind when, other than Bubba Watson, who's a perfect example, not only at Augusta, but uh, at Riviera, I believe, as well. A couple other courses where he thrives and then, like you said, is a pretty ordinary player. Um, but we can get into the specific guys. And there's one Jordan Spieth who we'll get to in a moment. But I think I'll kind of want to dive into some of your thoughts on, on the, the players. And we'll start with somewhat outright market, but just kind of discuss some of the guys in general that you might be interested in. Um, and we'll start in the top tier. You have guys like Rory, Dustin Johnson, Justin Rose, um, probably the three best players in the world right now, Tiger Woods. I know in general from from just knowing what you do that you're probably not too excited on on an outright wager on a guy like Rory at plus 700 or DJ at plus 900 but just in general terms are there any guys that you're you're targeting in in, in 
at all out of this top tier or any guys you're less interested in? Yeah, so, you know, the, with this Masters, you know, it seems like it's very wide open because so many of the great players are playing well. Uh, but compared to other majors, it, it really isn't the case. You know, you only have 88 guys and, you know, you have some of these old guys who really have no chance like Bernard Longer. And you have some of the past champions like Mike Weir, um, who, whose form's just completely off and has no chance. And so, you know, with all these top guys playing so well, you know, out of this top tier, I really look to a guy like Rory McIlroy, who's, who's really deserving favorite. He has the course history. He has the game. Um, and if you're looking at the weather and you see some of the wet conditions, uh, it, you just look back at his performance at Congressional and under wet conditions and how he just basically bombed and gouged his way to a huge victory. And, and he's kind of probably top of my list. But, you know, at that price, it's obviously hard to, to stomach. Uh, given some of the other top competition. That being said, if you're looking to cash a ticket and aren't price sensitive, there's there's not a there's not a bad place to to start than than Rory. Yeah, Rory's been on fire this year. One of the best stretches I I can recall. He's first. Uh, you, you mentioned the strokes gain metrics. Last 24 rounds, first total strokes gain, first tee to green, first ball striking, first off the tee. 15th on approach, and he's just in great form. The last time he played, he won at the Players. Sixth at Arnold Palmer before that. Second at the WGC Mexico. Fourth at Genesis. This guy is playing some of the best golf of his career, and always kind of expected people, or always one of those guys that people expected to be not the next Tiger, but that next kind of generational type player. And has struggled to win a little, and he's just hard to get by if you look at any sort of stats. And uh, obviously, going for that uh, fourth major in the Grand Slam. Um, let's go to let's talk a little about Tiger. I know that's what a lot of people want to talk about. He comes in playing pretty well. Obviously, he kind of tries to get his games to peak at this point in his career for the majors, not probably building his game up. Do you give Tiger any sort of look this week, or what are your expectations for the uh, probably probably the best player we've ever seen? You know, aside from Jordan Spieth, you know Tiger Woods has one of the best course histories of anyone in the field, and so he's hard to look past. Although, you know, at 14 to 1 or 15 to 1, wherever you're seeing him, it's just, it's a tough price for me to get to. You know, I have him more at kind of the 25 to 30 uh, to 1 uh, fair value. And so, you know, while he's certain, it would not surprise me for him to, you know, basically win this thing. I, I just, from a betting perspective, I'm not seeing the value. Understandable. Are you concerned at all about his off the tee game, which is probably, you know, we used to be a, a big power hitter. Obviously, driving distance does matter to an extent here. Is uh, He's 28th in strokes gained off the tee over the last 24 rounds and just not kind, kind of a different type of player than he used to be. Is that part of your concern with him while you have more about 25 to 1-ish? Yeah, you know, Augusta's very forgiving from an off the tee perspective. Uh, one of the things from a course profile perspective that I look at is a lot of the holes – at least the keyholes for scoring are, are work. You need to work the ball from right to left. And I think you've seen guys like Watson and uh, Mickelson and even Reed last year who, 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 who really plays a right to left ball flight uh, that benefits uh, those guys substantially. Tiger recently since his injury is kind of his go-to drive has been more of a cut. And so a cut being a left to right ball flight for a right-hander um, ends up really being a disadvantage here at Augusta. So it's going to be interesting to see kind of uh, after Tiger's rebirth here, how he's able to translate to uh, his game with that drive being the go-to cut um, in this tournament. But at 14-1, to 1, no thanks. Yeah, he's a pass for me as well. One of those situations where it would be cool to see you're willing to lose some money if Tiger Tiger wins this thing. 
You spoke about Jordan Spieth, and he's the guy I'm, I'm most interested in. I think this year has been a struggle for Jordan. It's no secret. He's 68th in the field. Uh, last 24 rounds, tee to green. Uh, 77th off the tee. He's just really struggled to keep it straight uh, off off the tee this year. But like you said, some of the best tournament history. I think a very tough read, um, a true course, uh, course history versus current form look. How are you seeing Spieth at plus two, uh, about 19, 20 to 1? Yeah, I think if you were a, a Jordan Spieth fan and really thought you, you were going to be betting Jordan Spieth, the time to grab that would have been before the, the Valero last week. You know, he showed, you know, some mediocre, but I guess signs of life last week with his, I think, 30th place finish. But, uh, you know, going into that, I, I think he was about the 30 to, tw- you know, 28 to 30 to one uh, to, for that performance to drop him to 20, 20 to one is just is, is kind of surprising to me. And uh, a lot of these masters uh, future bets, you know, there's certain times a year where you can kind of try and game it to try and basically pick these guys up uh, on a low point where, you know, you're going to play them regardless. So a speech to guy who I think people have kind of missed the boat and I would not be looking at, at 20 to one as being a fair price here for him. Now, we'll talk head-to-heads in a little bit, but is he a guy that you'd be willing to target, or is he kind of just a stay away because of the course history? You're, you're really not too excited about going after him in that kind of setting. Yeah, I'm really not interested. I, I think it's with – with his course history, he makes me – just scares me to target him in, in a head-to-head given that you know he may just find his game. I mean it, it's it's happened there before, and, and like I said earlier, it happens every year with guys like Fred Couples, and so – Right. You know, I wouldn't put anything past him, but, you know, it's not going to be with my money. Gotcha. I think we're seeing similar there. Well, one of the great things about the Masters is it's such, like you said, the field's not huge, but all the stars are out. And it kind of gives a lot of guys that you're used to seeing at much lower prices uh, some real value. Looking in the, you know, 25 to 1, 30 to 1, 40 to 1 range, you got names Hideki Matsuyama, Tommy Fleetwood, Bubba Watson, who you spoke on. You got Phil. Tony Finau, Matt Kuchar. Are there any guys in that range that you're targeting in terms of an outright wager? Yeah, I think Bubba Watson. You know, I mentioned earlier uh, about how, you know, he has his Bubba tracks that he notoriously succeeds at year to year. You know, what I basically done with Bubba is, is throwing out everything in 2017 from a data perspective because he was experimenting with that ridiculous Volvic ball, which really was <laughs> – Really was horrendous for his game, which his game is really working the ball from from right to left and right to left to right, and um, the ball just is, is poorly constructed and wasn't giving him the same type of performance. And you know, he obviously had a great year last year, and I, I really think he's sitting on a big event here. Um, I think he's being he's forgotten about at thirty three to one, and I think it's it's a good price to, to grab him at. Yeah, he rates out pretty well for me in the model I created on. Um fantasy national he actually ranks eighth over the last 24 rounds a lot of that i did incorporate driving distance i don't know if you did and then he's sixth in uh par par five scoring uh or strokes game par five um which is a stat you mentioned as well so certainly seems to be value there a guy that i'm a little interested in and i seem to always be uh, at this point in his career but is yet to win a major maybe i'm curious your thoughts on a guy like xander shifley who rates out real well for me but doesn't quite have that course history although he hasn't played here much and maybe kind of rounding into form at augusta any any thoughts on xander uh, it's hard for me to get to xander uh you know he's he's just a guy who does everything kind of average and i, I just can't point to anything spectacular about his, his game aside from 
you know, I, I think he's pretty consistent from a driving perspective, but that's really just kind of keeping it straight. And, and I mentioned earlier that, you know, Gus is not really a place that you need that. So, well, you know, Xander certainly has a shot. It, it, it's it's a kind of a stretch to, for me to get there. And I think all these guys in this range really are, are going to have some flaws or else they would be, you know, higher up from an odds perspective. And so, you know, even a guy like Bubba Watson, who I mentioned, um, you know, he's he's gone to a grip where, you know, he's holding that putter against his forearm. And I, I do worry that, you know, some of the longer putts could be a little more difficult given that three putts are easy to find at Augusta. So, you know, this whole range, everyone's really going to have flaws and it's just a matter of kind of where you're willing to kind of take the shot. Good info there. Is there anybody as we move into the extreme long shots or, you know, I guess at the third tier long shots, anybody from 60 to one to a hundred to one that, that piques your interest at all? Yeah, this, I mean, this range is just tough. You know, I wouldn't spend a lot, I, really this type of tournament um, you know, I know a lot of guys like to kind of spread out and, and have a balanced card. Uh, really, this tournament lends itself to just kind of dropping the hammer on someone or, or one or two guys rather than kind of spreading out so thin, uh, given that, you know, the winner's likely going to come from the top five. It's just hard for me to see uh, some of these guys on the outside having much of a chance. That being said, you know, a guy like Mark Leishman isn't the worst play at 45 to 1. Uh, Ian Poulter at 70 to one certainly deserves a look. Um, I think, um, you know, if you really want to get crazy, you know, Charlie Hoffman at a hundred to one isn't terrible. Keegan Bradley at a hundred one isn't terrible. You know, I certainly look at those guys as, as perhaps first round leader bets. Um, but aside from those guys, I, it's just really hard for me to see any of these guys having a chance. Seems like Charlie Hoffman's always amongst the first round leaders and he hadn't been playing well at all and then goes uh, goes out and gets second in the Valero last week, another course where he's had a lot of success and he certainly has here, so maybe he's rounding into form and uh, at the right time. The one guy I'm looking at, um, your favorite guy to watch because he plays so fast is Patrick Cantlay. Um, some things to like about him also, but obviously not a lot of course history here. I think he missed the cut last year. Um, but, yeah, like you said, unlikely for the winner to come from down here. Although, over the last several years, it seems like it's been someone in that 30-to-1 to 50-to-1 to range that has won it. Not to mean that that isn't just a random thing to occur. All right, well, betting outright is definitely one way to wager on this tournament and golf in general, Garrett. But uh, if you're a little more conservative or maybe, you know, the outright is a tough market to win at. Head-to-head um, -head matchups, though, is something I know uh, that you probably prefer over the outright market in general. Um, I'm sure there's a few that you're targeting. Let's start with the super elite players. Are there any specific matchups up there that you uh, that you like at that level? If I had to target one at the, the highest level, it would probably be Justin Rose versus uh, DJ, and that would be taking Rose. I, I think Rose just has a, a game more suited to uh, to Augusta. He obviously has a great uh, track record there, um, and, and it really has a, a solid short game. You know, there's nothing wrong with with DJ's game. He's, he's you know one of the best players in the world. But you know, like some of the guys I mentioned. Um, uh, have a have a left to right ball flight. You know his shot is kind of the go to cut, and so it wouldn't surprise me if he won. But it just seems that Rose is, is likely going to outperform DJ in this spot, and so he's one that I do like, and I think you are getting plus odds on him too. 
Yeah, on Bet America right now, Dustin Johnson in that matchup minus one thirty-five. Justin Rose plus one ten. And the the course history of Justin Rose, you really can't beat it other than not having a win. T twelve last year, second in that classic uh, confrontation with Sergio in twenty seventeen, a T ten twenty sixteen, T tech two in twenty fifteen, and a T fourteen. 2014, he seems to always bring his game to Augusta, and uh, just a consummate pro is Justin Rose. Um, is there any others? I know uh, my guess is, based on our discussion of both Bubba Watson and Xander Shifley, I know that they're pretty much in a in an even heads up uh, setting. Does that is that one where you're going to be taking a stab with, or stab wouldn't be the right word, but getting involved with Bubba? Yeah, I'm really probably going to take Bubba in that spot. You know, his performance on par fives really kind of gives him a a four to five shot advantage even before they even start. And so he's a guy who I really like on a head-to-head basis uh, versus Xander. You know, I think the important thing to think about with, with head-to-heads is you're not trying to pick the winner of the tournament. And I think some of the, some people get wrapped up with win equity and or think that you need to pick the winner when doing the head-to-head. But really what you're looking for is a guy who can basically perform with a, a high floor. And, and you may have to give up some ceiling to get that floor, but that's really what I'm looking for on a head-to-head. Um, you know, you might have a guy who, you know, like John Rahm, who's got tremendous in- win equity, but really makes me nervous from a head-to-head perspective because when things go poorly, he really kind of flies off the end of the handle. <laughs> and so, <laughs> you think? <laughs> or like a guy like Sergio, who's the same way, who you know, obviously, you know, had a 15 last year on a hole. So, <laughs> don't remind me of that, man. I was trying to put that out of my head 363 days later. <laughs> Um, well, I mean, that's that's good stuff and, and a good thing to keep in mind. And um, in terms of head to heads, it's not exactly the same thing as looking for outrights or if you're getting involved in pools or DFS, things like that. You, you, you definitely it's a more conservative approach and kind of trying that less volatile guy. And I think probably why you like Justin Rose uh, in that DJ matchup. Um, you mentioned Charlie Hoffman. I see him a couple of uh, potential head-to-heads here against players at his level where he's about even money, a little bit less. Is he a guy you trust in a head-to-head env- environment uh, going into the Masters, even though he's been a bit volatile uh, or actually just been pretty poor until last week? Yeah, he ranks out you know, actually more of like top 10 in terms of course history at Augusta, and he always does well here. And so you know, he's a guy who I would target specifically against Siwoo Kim. Uh, Siwoo Kim, you know, obviously I said that putting is, is random, but he is absolutely a poor putter. <laughs> yes, he and is. So, uh, I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't be nervous putting money on Hoffman in that spot if I had to pick one involving him. And I think Kim actually putted well above his expectations other than the, uh, on Sunday, last week of Valero. And if I'm not mistaken, or he, he kind of got hurt. Have you heard anything about his injury? I mean, he kind of has been hurt before and seems to have some issues, but I definitely know he was holding his ribs or something. Is is he okay and good to go, or have you heard anything on that? Quite honestly, he's so far off my radar. I, I not even look. <laughs> not even. I guess I don't even care. I think he's a guy who, you know, I was happy to see do well last week because I think he will, uh, you know, take interest and his price will go down, which means prices on other guys who I think have a better chance it will go up. So, um, not a guy on my radar. If he beats me, so be it. Fair enough. Fair enough. Other, obviously, the Masters has a, a lot of other ways to get involved outside of the mat, head-to-head matchups and outright winners. Are there any other props that you're finding interest or value in uh, as we are two days out? 
Yeah, I think I mentioned first round leader. I think Hoffman has been, uh, you know, really kind of taken some steam lately, given he has a, a track record of doing well in, in the first round. Um, another one, uh, kind of just strolling through the site that I noticed uh, spiked some interest was the, uh, I think it was the nationality of the of the winner. Okay. Let yeah. See. Let's see. Uh, let's see. We are European, North America, and other. And so I think European is is plus one twenty five. And in general, I do think they're, you know, United States betters have a bias towards American players. And if you're going to give me a core of, of Rose, Rom, uh, McElroy, I'm willing to go to war with that at a plus 125. So uh, that's that's one specifically that I, I, I like quite a bit. Yeah, that's the U.S. Masters winner nationality of uh, winner. It's pretty far down on the futures if you're on bet america but usa is minus 105 europe plus 125 rest of the world plus 480 and then in terms of the first round leader that garrett spoke of charlie hoffman i believe is plus 3300 so it's pretty obvious people do understand that he's got a better chance to come out ahead in the first round than the tournament based on his price but still uh definitely a guy that comes out of the gate strong and has a great history at the masters okay garrett I mean, I know, you know, you're more looking in terms of value with all your wagers. Um, Maybe I still want to get kind of a pick. I mean, do you have if you had the gun to head type pick, are you picking Rory or do you have the guts to pick a Bubba Watson? How how do you look at that if someone asks you that question? I know it's not an ideal gambling question, but just just for the for folks out there looking for the winner. Yeah, it's going to be Rory. And and I I feel bad saying that because I hate favorites. And so uh, it's with a heavy heart that I say something like that. But. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you know, he's he's just fit so well. Um, it's hard to get beyond that. You know, I think Rom would probably be a close second. I think he's he's definitely uh, next one up uh, to win a major uh, with the you know he has a complete game. He's a guy who you, you you know you don't have those yeah buts. You know, like with Watson, I you know I'd say yeah he has the game yeah, but he's putting you know maybe wonky. But you know he's a guy who, who really brings a complete package, and if he can keep those motions under check, he's definitely got a great shot. Yeah, it almost seems like, and I know I'm not the first to say this, but he might be better off being two or three, four strokes off the lead going into Sunday as opposed to playing with the lead. Um, not quite the guy like a Brooks Kepka who uh, you trust with the lead. Do you give Brooks any sort of look in this? I know he's plus 2,000. Obviously, the guy seems to be a big game hunter at this point, but doesn't come in with great form. Do you think he can get it done at the Masters knowing you know kind of how his game shapes up, or do you think he's better suited for other courses? I think he's better suited for other courses. Uh, you know, his his game is is definitely built for U.S. Open, and I really feel like you know missing last year will hurt him because of the importance of course history. And so I think twenty to one is is isn't a great price for him. All right, man. Well, uh, you gave a lot of great info, starting with the methodology and then in terms of outright predictions, head-to-heads, and uh, some props. I, I really appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to chat, and uh, I wish you all the best this week, man. I'm looking forward to uh, Thursday morning hearing those birds chirp. I'm sure you are as well. No question. It'll be here before we know it. All right. Thanks, man. And uh, yeah, we're out of time on the Who Do You Like podcast. I certainly wish everyone the best of luck at the Masters this week. It was on to baseball next week and then a couple weeks of Kentucky Derby coverage on the Who Do You Like podcast. But until then, enjoy the Masters and good luck in all your endeavors. This has been the Who Do You Like podcast. For more information and to place your bets, go to betamerica.com.